Welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? Absolutely grand, my man. This is the second part of the Church Hurt episode, and we will be getting started with that right now. Okay, so personally, like, what what have you seen? So what type of church hurt have I personally seen? Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, every one of the ones I listed above... I've seen. Okay. Um, I've seen them or I've experienced them or I've had family experience every one of them. Okay. So as a pastor, you see and hear all the things. Yeah. I I see and I've experienced. So it's kind of, it's not just secondhand knowledge. It's firsthand experience as well. Um, Is there anything close to what we're talking about in, in the Bible? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the phrase church hurts not used, yeah. right? But there is there is a an example of church hurt that comes from leadership in Scripture. And it's actually with Peter, who is one of, you know, he's referred to as a pillar of the faith mm-hmm. and one of the leaders of the early church. And so in Galatians chapter 2, Paul actually confronts Peter. And what's happened is, so God had revealed to Peter that salvation through Christ was not just for Jews alone, but for everyone. And this was a big deal because Jews did not eat at the same table with a non-Jew. The disciples of Jesus were even appalled that he was having a conversation with a woman in Samaria. One, because she was a woman, and that just culturally was not acceptable, but two, because she was a Samaritan and not a Jew and were considered less than. And so God had revealed that his salvation was for everyone. Therefore, all now were invited, if you were, to the table. And so no one was to be excluded. And so for a while, it seemed like this was the case. It was functioning this way. And But in Galatians chapter 2, what we see is that Paul is now confronting Peter because Peter has now shifted gears, if you were, and has kind of reverted back to his old Jewish ways and now excluding the non-Jews from the table. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to like, so try to picture you're a non-Jew, you've come to know Christ, you've been accepted in, and the whole church welcomes you. Okay, Jews, Gentile alike, everybody's, they're all welcomed. And now all of a sudden you're being told, mm, you're, you're not quite good enough to, gotcha. to eat with us anymore. Okay. You're, you're, and so almost like your second class is how it would have come across. Mm-hmm. And so Peter had reverted back to this. Paul confronts Peter and... Peter repents from it. And so I think that's one example of where we see this idea of, quote-unquote, church hurt, of being, you know, I can be hurt, I can be offended, I can feel rejected. That would have been had a pretty big, I mean, Peter was like, I mean, he's like the man, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now he's rejecting you. He's the one that has the book that lets us in, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, he's up there at the pearly gates. Wow, he doesn't yeah. have a good resume for that. 
<laughs> who is this guy going to actually yeah, let in? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's that's one that's one example. Um, there's another example in the book of James where James is writing to the churches and he's saying, "Do not show favoritism to those who are who are wealthy, and simply leave the you know poor to the back rows, if you mm-hmm. were." And so there. I, you're already dealing, even in the early church, there's the, the leaders of the church are having to work through this. And anytime we feel rejected because of ethnicity or social status, or we just don't quote unquote fit in the, you know, with the group and you feel rejected by the leaders that can, you know, lead a church hurt. So those are a couple of things that you can find in scripture. That was very cool to hear. Okay. I did not know that story. Hmm. Because Gentiles, Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. They did nothing. They didn't even do anything wrong. No, nothing they wrong. They just were. Yeah. And there was a, I, I guess, now arbitrary point of separation between this group of people and this other group of people. And for some reason, they were out. Correct. And that, that lines up pretty well. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah, that. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and and for those that have you know experienced church hurt, especially like via racism, right? I mean, that's exactly what this is talking mm-hmm. about here. You know, when I've heard it say before that you know there's not racism addressed in scripture. That's actually not true. Uh, you find it here uh, with the Jews and, and the Gentiles, and that's probably a whole other podcast in and of itself too. Right, but. The reality is, is that there's already that so many of the letters are dealing with the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so you're already dealing with that aspect of church hurt from point one. Why does the church allow this to happen? And I guess, does it know it's happening? Like, this is a new, a new term, I guess. Like, has anything been addressed about this? Does anybody even know to address this? Are we going to address this and? in 30 years from now, which is how the church does everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, no, I think there's always been church hurt in, without using that phrase. Okay. So I, again, I think the use of social media has allowed that phrase to become really popular, but right. also not just popular, but it's allowed people to express your voice. And also you realize now because of social media, holy cow, there's a lot of people that mm. have been hurt by church. Right. And so it's not just like this one random person that gets mad and leaves the church. There's actually legitimate reasons people stop going to church. Mm. And it's not just because they're quote unquote backslidden or that they have chosen another way. It's sometimes it's because the church really has legitimately hurt them. Mm-hmm. And there just wasn't a voice or a platform for there to be a voice for it before, where now there can be. Um, and so, but no, I think, I would hope that most churches are aware that this is going on. I do think you'll find some churches that just kind of have their heads in the sand. And it's almost like, well, if you just don't get on board with every point with us, that's not on us, that's on you. Or if you leave, well, that's just on you, not us. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, I do think there's probably some of those churches that are out there, but I do think most churches are probably in touch with the fact that individuals, they're in touch with the fact that individuals 
leave church at times because they're hurt or they stay. I mean, church doesn't necessarily mean you leave the church, right? Mm-hmm. You can stay within church being hurt by that church. Um, or you can maybe leave one church and go to another church um, because you've been hurt. And so no, I, I do believe there's an awareness. And I do think the awareness has only grown because of social media, the use of this phrase, individuals speaking out about it. I do think there's probably a larger awareness of it. Why does the church allow it to happen, though, if they're so aware of it? Church hurt, ha- church hurt happens because people are involved. And I'm not excusing it, but I'm just trying to be honest about it. Right. Where there are people, especially people that we see often, that we're invested in doing life with, we will experience hurt. And so this is true in families, our jobs, church, other social groups that we're a part of. I don't know if the church is sitting there going, we're just going to allow church hurt to happen. I do think that it's, when people are involved, that you're, there's going to be these types of defenses. I will say on a leadership perspective, sometimes church hurt is just allowed to happen. In other words, if you've got a uh, senior leader mm. that is just on an ego trip or a power trip or whatever, and he's belittling people, demeaning people, he's not held accountable to anybody, church is... Someone in that church <laughs> has got to stand up and say, this is not okay. Mm. I know that in some circles, it, there's this phrase like, don't, don't put a hand to the man of God. Don't touch God's anointed. That's just, I mean, I mean anyway, I could go off on tangent on how bad the exegesis of that <laughs> language is <laughs> from the inner, because it comes from an interaction with David and Saul, mm. King Saul. And so, I, and I could go into that, but... The point just being is that church leaders need to be held accountable. Like we we all have to, as a pastor, I've got to be able to answer to somebody. Mm. Someone has to be able to be in my ear to say, Joseph, you didn't handle this correctly, or we're seeing this pattern in you mm-hmm. and we're and we're concerned and we need to address it. If I only surround myself with yes men, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a lost cause in that sense. And so I do think there has to be accountability in church. And maybe that's sometimes where the institution of the church fails us is where there's not that accountability, that structure that is not like we need structure to not just allow a single leader or or leaders, plural, just to kind of run wild, if you were, without any type of accountability. Have you done it? Have I done have, what? Have you hurt people in in your church, absolutely. Okay, unintentionally, yes. And even and, uh, I know that it gets dicey when you say intentionally, unintentionally. I'll say it, I'll say it both ways. I've been, I've unintentionally, unknowingly hurt people because I've disappointed them. I didn't meet some expectation they had of me. I didn't show up to an event that was really important to someone that I didn't know was important to them. Or maybe I said I was going to come. I didn't come. Right? There's two. There's two. There's two times that come to my mind in okay. particular. Okay. When I think about church hurt and how I have hurt others, there's there's two specific times that come to my mind. One, I was doing some biblical counseling with someone. 
they were seeking and they were seeking advice. I pretty much gave them an ultimatum. And so, in other words, I was seeing a, a dysfunction in a in a dating relationship. I'll put it that way. And I was like, "You need to end that." I was giving an ultimatum. That to me is overstepping my bounds as a pastor and a leader, right? I, that I should Why? be able because I need because I have to treat people as autonomous individuals that. They have their own ability to make decisions mm. and that boundaries exist where I can't come in and control someone else's life and decisions. So that was the boundary that you I crossed okay. because I was going over and basically not, I was saying I'm eliminating choice mm. from the equation and I am dictating to you in this relationship. And so the person did but then it devastated them simultaneously mm. because they did it to please me and I would never do that again. And I've talked to this person about it. So like mm. it's something that we have talked about and we're reconciled and we're good, but it's, it's one of those things I way overstepped my bounds and I should have never, you know, so as an early 30 something year old pastor, I was trying to be protective of this individual and I went too far with it. Mm. You know, it's like as a, as a parent, for example, I can give advice and counsel to my kids, right? And there's, there's some level of the way I parent morphs and changes as my kids get older. Mm. You know, like there's going to be at times where you dictate to your kids early on because like their own, like their own ability to get hurt is at stake, Right. Don't run into the road. Right. Right. Don't touch the stove when it's right. hot. Okay. And so, but as in, as my, like of a teenager, I have to allow my teenager to make some decisions now and I can give counsel and I can give direction and I can even tell them my counsel to you is don't do this. But I'm, but when I step over that line and go, I demand it of you. Mm-hmm. When they're at an age where they can choose for themselves, no, I've I've violated that line, and so so that's one part because that is an, for me an abusive leadership, you know. Um, and then there's another time where I was in a setting where a, where another leader was just, I mean, just letting someone have it. I just sat quietly there. And it really in deference to the the older leader. Mm. And instead of speaking up and saying, we we can't talk to individuals this way. I just sat I sat there quietly. So they were mad at you for for not standing up for that. Absolutely. Okay. And they should have been. Mm. And again, same thing. I like I have talked to this person. Like we've walked mm. through this thing together. And because they felt so hurt mm. by my silence. And so, yes, there, so there's, there's been a couple of those instances and there's, and, and, and that's, and I'm not saying there's the only two, I'm not mm. saying that, I'm just using those as two examples where I know that I have hurt others. Mm. And that's, and that's when you're a leader, it's, that is so painful because you don't know what are going to be the long lasting effects, you know, of, 
of your choices and your decisions. And, you know, I hope that I grow, you know, and I hope that I wouldn't make the same mistakes at 43 that I did at 33. But the reality is I know I'll probably look back. I'll, you know, I'll be 53 looking back at 43 year old Joseph and going, Mm. why in the world did you do that? Mm. Um, And so I know that's a reality and I know I'm going to hurt people. Um, whether, you know, in, in many times I think it's unintentionally, but I just know that I will based upon one people's expectations, but then two, I'm also probably going to hurt people with what I say. If I'm speaking as much as I speak on a week to week basis on a Sunday morning and on a Wednesday night, throw in a podcast, you know, I mean, uh, the reality is I'm going to more than likely hurt someone Mm -hmm. as well. And even though I don't necessarily mean to. So, okay, that brings me to another question. What is it? The only reason I came back to church a few years ago, only to leave again, to then actually, I've come to church the past two Sundays. You sure have. Thank you. You sure have. I'm giving you, <laughs> giving you props for that, bro. So, um, the only reason I came back to church those few years, the few years ago, the only re- the only way I could wrap my head around it was me going, uh, these people are going to act and treat each other and treat me no differently than anybody else out there. That was the only justification in my head I could come to, to why it got me back in the door. So that's where I was Mm -hmm. then. I I held church people and leaders to the same standard and maybe, in fact, less of a standard than everybody else. Wow. <laughs> and so for me and anybody else, what what should, like, what is my part in this? Like, when you did that to that other person, mm-hmm. where should they be at? How should they think about it? Okay, so in other words, how does the individuals on the other end of the two examples that you Mm -hmm. just gave prepare themselves for potential situations like this to happen with their leadership or with somebody else in the church. Yeah. Because you do want to believe that your leaders have your best interest at heart. You do want to believe that you can trust your leaders to protect you and to, again, always do what is best for you. So I think in many ways, it's similar to the way a lot of us feel about our parents. We, we, we want to believe they have our best interest at heart, and we want to believe they're going to protect us, you know, and always say the right thing. And the reality is they're not. Even the best of parents are not always going to say and do the right thing. And, but, then you, but then you grow up and realize they're just people. Right, you grow up and realize they're just people. For, for leaders, like, so for example, the two examples I gave, so both those individuals that I mentioned I was very close with. So they expected me to have their best interest at hand. And when I crossed a boundary line in my counsel with one, and when I was just silent with the other, it, it hurt them a lot because, because of the relationship we had, you know, and I, and I'll just be honest, talking with one of them, like one of them was like, by the grace of God was willing to have a conversation with me, was willing to talk with me and I with them but their first gut reaction was, forget them all, I'm out. That was their first gut reaction. Mm. 
And like, I completely get why that was their gut reaction. You know, they've got one leader yelling at them and another one being silent. Like, I get that. Um, for the other one, they were just, they were just so hurt, devastated because they did, they probably viewed me more like a, a, a fatherly figure. And so, so their hurt was, was, was pretty intense. And, but again, in reaching out to them and talking with them, like walking through the hurt, walking through the pain. But I do think for one example, you know, the individual was like in their twenties, the one I was counseling in their twenties. So like for the one example, I think that was like a wake up call to, Oh crap, church leadership can suck sometimes. You know, like you were talking about earlier, like mm-hmm. with the reaction of your kids, we kind of, like you kind of pull the curtain back and you see, man, our leaders are not perfect. They're not always the best. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that was that individual's reaction. And it's, and it, it, it is, it has still left a, a mark. Um, and then on the other side, the individual was older. So the individual was, had the process, the capability to, and, you know, the life experience to go, okay, they hurt me. That was terrible. I really just want to leave and get out of here. But I've got longstanding relationships with them. I'm not going to allow that one moment to be the defining mark of my relationship with them. Mm. And surely we can reconcile and work some things out. And, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. And so I think for one who is older, they were able to process it in a way that their life experiences and just their age allowed them to process it. For the younger one in her 20s, you know, they just, I mean, that was like kind of almost, again, their wake-up call. Wow, church leadership can suck sometimes. And maybe church is not as great as I thought it was. When you ask how they can you prepare or have expectations, I mean, I think the expectation that they had was going in was right um, in the sense of we're going to trust Joseph to care for us and to and to you know walk us through this. But at the same time, that should be their expectation. And at the same time, when it didn't, when their expectation was not met, you know, like when I didn't meet their expectation. I think that's where not just knowing people and, and not just knowing church, but like, I guess it is some of it just knowing, of knowing how to handle church, um, knowing how to handle church leadership and knowing that they're they're When they hurt me, what do I do? Right. Mm. I think the older one was like, okay, I've been hurt before. I can, I can, I can work through this. The other one had never experienced it before. And so, for for this individual, it was what the crap do I do now? You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that that it, it left but it left the individuals kind of having to process and grap- grapple with it differently. And but I'm just thankful that I was able to have conversations with both, and you know, usually multiple conversations, but multiple conversations with them to to walk out this thing where. You know, we we actually are reconciled. You know, mm-hmm. I am actually reconciled with both of these parties. And while, and I think a big part of it is me acknowledging my my error in it, and that I can't just sit there and go, "Well, you know what? Too bad. Suck it up. Sorry." Or, or even just, you know, "Sorry, I blew it." But right. you know, and just blown it off. Mm. But no, I owned it, and I realized the hurt that it instilled. We got other members. Yeah, it'll be fine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I can't do that. Like, right. own it, ask for, for ask for forgiveness, and know that I've got to build her trust back up over time. Mm. 
So, how should the church be managing people's expectations of itself in this area? Like, I grew up in church mm-hmm. and eventually ended up thinking of it as no the people there and the institution know better than anything else. Mm-hmm. How do how do I not how how do we assuming I'm not alone <laughs> right which I feel like I'm not how does the church manage the expectations of people growing up in it or of new members of the church because I feel like honestly that this is sort of the same thing for people who are brand new Christians at 35 or whatever yeah and have gone through all of the things and finally find this group of people, the mm-hmm. Christians that are, you know, like, I thought you guys were horrible, but, you know, you're not that bad. And then, oh, wait, you are. <laughs> you are that, you know, you yeah. know, I ended up in a bad one. Oh, you are that bad. Now mm. I'm off to the next thing to maybe make me feel happy. Like, mm. how do we, how does the church manage expectations? instead of coming across the way they do? Man, that's a good question. I think I mentioned this earlier, and I'll refer back to it, but just that leadership has to create a space in the in their talking of, of, ex, of, of who the church is and our expectations. And I guess I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking on a couple of different levels. One is, one is that I know that church, that people in the church as a whole just don't all suck, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like not everyone is hurting somebody. Right. Not everyone is offending someone. Like there are, like there are people that are genuinely loving and caring. And somehow we have to be able to articulate say, I guess it may be a few things. One, people, I think we can say that expectation is people are going to fail you. People are going to disappoint you. That that will happen here. You know, I was thankful to be in a church where there was a senior pastor that he, he did acknowledge that from the pulpit. Mm. Like, like you're going to be hurt here. You're going to be disappointed. Hopefully not because of anything we intentionally do, but you will be hurt and disappointed because you're going to be interacting with us a whole lot. And at some level, at some point you may feel hurt, betrayed, not accepted, you know, those types of things. And that will happen here. So that's one, two, we don't want to reduce individuals down to their worst moment or their biggest struggle, especially if they're fighting through it and trying to, you know, trying to quote unquote, you know, live better, be better. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that helps if we acknowledge from the pulpit that we are in process. So you can expect to be hurt, but know that there are people who are people that may hurt you are not trying always to hurt you, you Mm -hmm. know, and that, 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 that will happen. And the three, there's a, there are, there are people here that are loving and caring over the long haul with you. Uh, with people and that are accepting um, even if they disappoint or they cause you to be offended, whatever it may be every once in a while, I hope you look at the total view and scope of, of your interactions with them and relationship with them, life with them and go, okay, but that's not who they are. Mm. Now at the same time, I think there, 
you know, talking about expectations, man, the expectations is there. Sometimes there are people that I don't know how to phrase this any better. Sometimes there's people that in the churches that are just jerks, mm-hmm. or just that are that 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 are not acting in a Christ-like behavior or way, or maybe that are not even Christian at all. And, you know, there is that conversation of, of kind of wolves in sheep clothing, you know? And so I don't want to, like, because what, what I, here's what my concern is. When I say things like, let's don't relegate someone down to their worst moment or their worst behavior, I also don't want to minimize it, one. But then, two, there are, there could be individuals that are actually, you know, sexual predators or right. They're there. That is who they are. Mm-hmm. They are their worst behavior. And so I want to, I'll, you know, like you, so I, I'm careful when I say things like, I want to be careful when I say things like that, but I do think the expectation is, Hey, we're going to talk about it. We're going to be honest about it. And we're going to try not to set everyone up on a pedestal. Um, you know, one of the things that I even warn our congregation against is don't set up people on pedestals that you don't know very well. Right. Because they, they're more than likely going to disappoint you at some point. I, I actually had a, a campus pastor when I was in college and he said, he said he would tell all of us just, just read books by the dead people. They won't disappoint you. <laughs> And I love that phrase because it's that reality that whether, you know, back then it was reading books, but, you know, the podcast we're listening to, um, that includes us, I guess, the podcast we're listening to or the, um, the YouTube channel we follow, whatever it may be, we don't want to put those people up on pedestals. We don't know those people more than likely. If you don't know someone, don't put them up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And I'm always very, especially like with our teenagers and young believers, I'm just, I try to be mindful with them, to, or mindful to tell them, be careful. Just be careful not to idolize someone so much, so high when you don't really know them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they will not, you know, uh, crash and burn. But if they do, you're, you know, you won't be like a house of cards that comes crashing down with it mm-hmm. because you had placed all your hopes or dreams or, you know, on that individual. I hope that speaks to the question you asked. It it does. Um, I, I have a follow-up question, I guess. Uh, do you think if I put all of the churches in America in a jar mm-hmm. and picked out a hundred, okay. would I find people that acted better in those 100 churches than in the rest of the world in America or the rest of regular American life? Today, I think I think so. Okay, um, I didn't say it with a lot of confidence yeah, that no, I. You didn't. <laughs> and here's where I was. West. Here's a pause because here's what I was thinking in my head. How are we judging that by you know better? Like what are, what moral right. standards right. are we setting to that? Well, right, but the biblical moral standards. Yeah, I I do I do okay. think that there I do think you will find people in the church that hold to a all right so for example forgiveness is not a, a, a high value for people that are outside of the uh, outside of the church a lot of times in other words mm-hmm. why would i forgive you you know in other words like if you've hurt me forget you right done with you i write you off i think you'll find people in churches that are 
more willing to forgive. Okay. Because they've been forgiven themselves. And so I do think you will find individuals in churches that will be more gentle and more kind with their words. I'm not saying across the board in every church, every Mm. person's this way, right? But I do think that, yes. But then I also acknowledge simultaneously that there are good moral people that are outside of the of the Christian faith, that there are people who simply choose to live, quote-unquote, moral good lives. But I would hope things like forgiveness, hope things like having peace and, and joy in really crappy circumstances would would be found amongst believers. Mm. And But do I think that there are morally good individuals that are living in a living up to a moral standard, if you were of even biblical Christianity. Yeah, I do think you can find people that are just going to do good because that's their moral compass and that's what they do. So if I take my this is why I'm leaving church lifetime <laughs> argument. Right. Your stack of arguments. My stack of arguments and stack that against attending a church today at given random church, you think that that's, you think that me attending church at given random church is better than me not going, even though I have this list of reasons why I think that's a terrible idea. And there's tons of other people with their list of reasons why it's a terrible idea. You still think it's better to come. I do. Okay. I do. And, and to be honest with you, I will be treated better generally by people at church than, I'm going to find every anywhere else, even though I have this list of reasons why church has hurt me. I think that church is still good and still necessary mm-hmm. for the believer, mm-hmm. even in light of the stack of arguments. Okay. And I say that not as a pastor, because I know that's very pastorish for right. me to say. I'm saying that as someone who's intimately experienced church hurt. And have fought through, do we want to go to church still? And landing on yes, and this is why. Okay, this is a question for me. I'm four years old, growing up in church. What should I think about people at church? What should I expect from people? What should I think about people? Should I know about the leaders doing anything wrong? At four? At four. Okay, so... And I promise you, I'm not trying to just pass the buck. Right. Okay? I think parents have a responsibility to inform their children on what they feel is appropriate mm. age-wise. Um, and so if at four years old, I would hope that your expectation of church is that church is safe. That's okay. what I would hope. Church is safe. So at... At ten years old, mm-hmm. what should I what should I know about everybody? What should I think about everybody? That's a good question. So I have children um, close to that age, and I want our children. So this, to me, this this so starts with parenting, and I, mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. In parenting, I want my children to be aware that their parents fail, and that and we ask for forgiveness. 
Mm-hmm. Now, my household is a little interesting because not only are we parents who go to church, I'm also pastor. Mm-hmm. But I want them to know that they're, and they don't think of me as pastor. They think of me as dad. Mm-hmm. But I want them to know their dad, who happens to be their pastor, will will own his mistakes, own his failures and not hide them. When I've hurt them, when I can tell that I've disappointed them, and then I can say, you know, guys, I'm sorry that your dad hurt you. And I think in the same way that I would still want parents to be able to, you know, inform their kids to whatever specific degree, right, to get into the specifics. But in general, at 10 years old, you need to know that people are not perfect, and that, that includes people in the church. Mm. And the church leadership is not perfect. I know. And at 10 years old, I should be aware of this. I think so. thinking about this. I think so. I know I definitely was not. Yeah. <laughs> I can only speak for what, yeah. what, what we do with our kids. Yeah. Our kids, if you were to ask our but kids. But this is what you, this is how you're doing it. Yeah. If yeah. you were to ask our kids. Do leaders in church make mistakes? Mm-hmm. They're going to quickly say yes, mm-hmm. and maybe that's because they yeah. live with one of them. I don't know, you know, but but that is what we want them to know that church leaders are not perfect either. Mm-hmm. You know, we want them to respect the church leaders that are worthy of respect, but we but we also let them know that they're not perfect. They're like they're they're children's ministry leaders, they're youth leaders. They're not perfect, you know. They're trying to follow Jesus, you know, the best way they know how to, and that's what that's what we express to our kids. If if I had that anywhere in my brain <laughs> back then, or was told told it or taught it without having to figure it out, mm. it really would have helped. Mm. <laughs> I think, and would have made a difference for me. Gotcha, because. Because as far as I knew, I was the only one doing anything wrong. Aha! Uh-huh. So, when I got older, right. So, in other words, your perspective of church then, in a lot of ways, was this is where I go to get told I'm doing things wrong. Right. Wow. And to feel guilty about it. And to feel guilty about it. Right. Wow. That's a tough. That's a tough place to be. Mm-hmm. That's a tough psychological place to be for a kid, for a teenager, for an adult even. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think I think we have to lay proper expectations for our kids. Um, you know, and and then if you have if if your child's in if your child's in middle school or high school and there's a leader that that falls morally and that leader's no longer there because of it, tell your kid what happened. Don't don't hide that from the child. Mm-hmm. Tell them, you know, you don't have to get into all the details, you know, but hey, the the pastor had an affair or the pastor stole money or we found out the pastor was an alcoholic or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think I think the I think at that age if you see him again and he offers you a ride, don't get in the car. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you know, but I think it at that age, middle school, high school, they're old enough to hear the truth. Yeah. Okay. And then and then it helps them have proper expectations. And like we talked about earlier, like right. they're not wondering why is this person just no longer here? Right. They know why that person's no longer there. And then we as parents because we're still parenting them at that point, there's their ages. We have the opportunity to help them walk through that. 
mm. and process it. And I think that's a huge deal. And I think oftentimes kids, this may go back to what you were talking about earlier, kids are not just sheltered from the world. They're sheltered from processing hurt, pain, struggle. Right. When they really, as parents, that is the great, I mean, I mean no, I don't want any person to have to go through, you know, church hurt or church leadership, moral failures or those kinds of things. Um, but if they do, here's how we process that. You know, we can walk our kids through that and like teach them how to helpful you know, in a healthy manner, engage with their hurt, with their pain and how to process that and still love Jesus and his church. I think that's an opportunity that we have as parents to be able to do that with our kids. So another future topic is raising your children. Yeah. It's just going to be a really long one also. Yeah. Raising our children in particular, raising our children in church. In church. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. So, all right. So with, I am, (laughs) we're going to do this again. I am a church goer. Mm -hmm. I should expect people at church Mm -hmm. to behave better than people I see out there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not a church goer, I should also expect people at church as a whole to be better than people who don't go to church as a whole. Yes. And I'm making the distinction church going and not church going. Okay. That's a fair statement. Sure. I should also hold the leaders to a higher standard than either of them. Correct. And especially a higher standard than people who do not attend church. Correct. And that's leaders all the way up to the top. Correct. Um, okay. I should I, I should also expect slash be conscious and mindful that people at church are going to hurt me even though they are I am supposed to also simultaneously hold them to a higher standard yes that yeah is that a good way to put that yes okay and so when things happen I I should feel hurt by them Mm-hmm. Because I held them to a higher standard, mm-hmm. but I also should have known that something could like this could happen, mm-hmm. and I should have known that something like this could happen when I was twelve years old, mm-hmm. ten to twelve years old. Yes. So at that point, I should be aware that I'm entering this world of knowledge about more things and more experience in life and and people are going to hurt me even though I should stick with these people. These people are going to hurt me less than people out there who are not going to church on average. On, on average. Yeah, okay. I mean, I won't say because there's going to be times there, there yes. will be people who will hurt you more. Right. So. There are going to be times where people will hurt me, hurt me more, but as a whole, this is a better path for my existence. Yes. Sticking with these church going people. Yes. And you still believe that in America today, given our random sample of churches. Yes. Okay. I do. So also if I am a person who is unhappy with everything else that's going on out there in the world, who is not a Christian or church goer. And I start, 
going to church slash am a Christian now, I should expect to probably be hurt pretty quickly because it's bound to happen somehow. Yeah, I don't know if it necessarily happened quickly, quickly, right. but I do think it'll happen at some point. It's, I mean, the reality is the closer we get with people in relationship, right, the more prone we are to be hurt mm. by them, and so and that, and and we're always when we use the word hurt, we're also being mindful of the degrees of hurt, right? Um, and so I would, yeah, I hope you don't run into hurt quickly, right? But do I okay. believe that you will be hurt? Yes, as because we've become invested into relationships. Mm. And anytime we are invested into relationships, we we will become hurt at some level. Okay. If if the hurt at a particular church or from a particular group of Christians becomes too much for me personally to handle, mm-hmm. finding another group of Christians in another church is still a better option than anything else. Than finding any, you know, than not going to church and trying to to interact with people who do not attend church. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. We we don't want to we don't want to you know project onto every other church that they're going to hurt us in the same ways that maybe the present church we're at is. And and I do and I, you know as a as a leader I would hope that you've come forward talked to the leadership about it. Hey, I'm experiencing, mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm offended. I'm, I feel betrayed. I feel rejected. I feel whatever. I'm, I'm coming to the leadership. I'm expressing this, and if there's nothing done about it, right? At that point, yeah. Or they say we don't care. Correct. Or they say yeah, get over it, or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Okay. Or that's just them. <laughs> right, and then, then yeah, but I would, I would hope that would be the first step that's taken. Is you go to the leadership, and you say, this is what's happening, and then if nothing's ever done about it, nothing's ever changed, or they just don't seem to care, then yeah, then you may need to go find another local body. Okay, mm-hmm. which is still better than going and hanging out with non-Christians who are going to hurt me worse, who I should expect less of. Yeah, okay. non-churchgoers. All right, but but I want to be clear. Okay, on this one right here, the way because just the way you phrase that. Mm-hmm. I am not saying we cannot go hang out with our friends who are not believers. Right. Or who don't go to church. I just expect less from them when I do. <laughs> I think I think that's a fair assessment. Okay. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. In other words, why should I expect someone to hold to a value standard system. of morality or values that are in the Bible if they don't adhere to Christianity. Right. So sure, I would not expect them to adhere to those values and morals. Whereas I would expect people who are followers of Christ to adhere to the values and morals that are being passed down to us through scripture. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So you think that that's a pretty good summation of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Of this whole episode. Yeah. From, think- of both of our perspectives and, and that's a good way to th- that's a good way to, for average church-going Joe slash not church-going Joe to think about this topic. Yep. Okay. Cool. So we figured it out. We solved the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all over. It's all over. Thank God. Next. Uh, all right. Um, that was 
the when I heard this podcast episode, whatever. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for figuring this one out with me because apparently I had a lot more to say than I thought I was gonna, and it probably goes on and on and doesn't make much sense. But but there it is. Well, we had fun with it, if nothing else. Yeah, we did. Um, good conversation too. Good I, conversation. I, I think it was really helpful for me to actually talk this out and and get to a place where I can where I can think about it in a in a way that like makes step by step sense for what we what how what, like how the church actually goes about trying to make this not happen as often as it does. Sure. Because the the ultimate problem is people leaving. Yeah. Because of this. Right. And, and thinking something else is better. Right. And preparing people for when they do experience church hurt. Right. And so their first reaction is not to just get out. Right. Uh, that has been the When I Heard This Podcast. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Rumble. And Joseph, we are on Instagram and Facebook as a podcast, but you are also on Instagram now because you have made an Instagram and what is your Instagram? Rev underscore Joe underscore T. I, I really liked it when I saw it. Yeah. Rev Joe T. Rev Joe T. Pretty good. And uh, I am Nate Robinsoff, and you can find us individually if you care. Um, but definitely go like the pages on Facebook and Instagram for the podcast and go find us on all the things. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye.